sheep, child, dog. Which of those would you like to be called? Sheep, a child, or a dog? If those are the only three options, perhaps it would be better to be called nothing at all, don't you think? But then again, then again, a cold shoulder can be even worse than a put-down. To be ignored hurts maybe even worse. To be totally disregarded, treated as though you hadn't even spoken. And yet these are the options that are before us in the gospel reading today. I was sent only for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He answered her, not a word. It's not right to take the bread of the children and throw it to the dogs. That last one really stings, doesn't it? This is not the kind of lead-in to the gospel that we would probably present to people who've never heard of Jesus. Go home and read Matthew 15, 21 through 28. But today we must learn from this Canaanite woman. This Canaanite woman is for us the very model of faith today as she has been throughout the history of the church. In fact, if you look through the whole gospel, according to St. Matthew, you will find this woman. This woman is singled out along with one other man, a centurion. Remember him? That centurion gave a great confession. Only say the word, Jesus, and my servant will be healed. These two Gentiles, a centurion and this Canaanite woman, are the two in all of the gospel of St. Matthew that Jesus commends and holds up as an example of the life of faith. This is what he said about the centurion, truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. And his words to the Canaanite woman today, O woman, great is your faith. Lent is for fighters, right? And today we learn, don't we, that the fight of faith is not only waged against the usual suspects. Now, we often lump our enemies together in a sort of unholy trinity, don't we? Sin, death, and the power of the devil. Or, or maybe you're familiar with it a little bit different, the world around us, the flesh within us, the devil beneath us. Those are the usual suspects, and those are the enemies against which we fight. But the fight of faith is sometimes waged against an unlikely, unlikely opponent. Sometimes we have to fight with our best friend, Jesus. Now, perhaps that surprises you. It should, shouldn't it? We don't expect things like this, do we? We expect Jesus to be nice and gentle. We expect Jesus to be good and consistent. We expect Jesus to be, well, in a word, predictable. Don't surprise me, Jesus. Just always do what's good. Just always do what's right. Just always do what's best for me. And yet here we have it in the text today. This Canaanite woman stands in for all of us, taking friendly fire from the Lord. Jesus is full of surprises, as it turns out. He sure surprised Jacob in the middle of the night, didn't he? You did figure that one out, of course, didn't you? The nameless man who came and blessed Jacob. The nameless one who renamed him Israel. The nameless man who came and wrestled in the middle of the night, whose touch could dislocate the hip. You know that wasn't Esau wrestling with him, don't you? And it certainly wasn't his uncle Jabin, Uncle Laban. And it wasn't a created angel for that fact either. What did Jacob say after it was all said and done? I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. 
Jesus surprised Jacob there in the middle of the night. And it was Jesus, make no mistake, the Son of God who would take our human nature to himself, who would later in time humble himself and be born of the Virgin Mary, came and wrestled with Jacob in the middle of the night. And he certainly surprised that woman, don't you think? Do you think that she came to Jesus with this plea, with this petition, with this prayer? Oh, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. Do you think she expected to be called a dog? Jesus surprised that woman, and he surprises you, doesn't he? Jesus is full of surprises, both the good kind of surprises that we love to receive and also sometimes the ones that we think, oof, I don't know about all this. Jesus did for that woman much what he did for Jacob. With Jacob, we can see the attack was physical. It was a wrestling match, right? And it wasn't over quickly, by the way. That wrestling match lasted all through the night, and it left Jacob permanently hobbled, but permanently blessed. And the same thing happened with that Canaanite woman. That Canaanite woman whose name is hidden from us now, well, we see her engaged in a verbal sparing with the Lord. She fights with him and he fights with her, not by grabbing hold of her with his hands, but through his words. It is a fight of words. That is the fight of our faith. And those words probably left her hobbled. She never forgot that day, but those words left her permanently blessed. O woman, great is your faith. The surprising thing about trusting Jesus is that though he is consistent and though he is true to his word and though he never changes, right, Christ Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever, the surprising thing is that he is always full of surprises. The life of faith in Jesus is not a predictable one as we might like. He does things without asking your permission, doesn't he? He says things in his word without checking in with you and saying, hey, does this sound all right? Does this pass your filter? Yes, Jesus surprises us. He did Jacob in the middle of the night, and he did with this wonderful woman, and he will do the same with you. But what we see with Jacob and what we see with this wonderful woman is how faith, how faith submits to Jesus and holds on to him. Now that word, submission, probably leaves a bad taste in your ears. Bad taste. It's a bad taste in the mouth. What is it in the ear? A bad sound in the ear. It makes us all feel so well in a word inferior, doesn't it? Dogs submit to their masters because they are inferior, but we, we don't submit to anyone, at least not willingly. After all, we'd like to think that we are all equal, that we are all the same, that we are all interchangeable parts. That's the egalitarian mindset, isn't it? Everyone is equally equal and equally interchangeable. Anything you can do, I can do better, as the commercial once said. Now, in a very important sense, that is spot on. Before God, we are all equally equal sinners. Regardless of how your mileage may vary, sin is sin before the Lord. And we are equally covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. We are equally saved. There are no differences between us when it comes to our redemption. As St. Paul so wonderfully put it in his epistle to the Galatians, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. 
And what he means there is that there's not one kind of salvation for some of you and a different kind for others. There is one and the same salvation. But the same Apostle Paul who wrote that by the inspiration of the the Holy Spirit also writes of how God orders his creation. In redemption, it is true, equally given to all. But in creation, God assigns us different callings. Ephesians 5 speaks beautifully, St. Paul writes it, of the harmonious order that God has established within his creation of the family. There we hear how wives are called to submit to their husbands, and husbands are called to love their wives. And in the church, too, there is an order, isn't there? There are pastors, and there are laity. And also in the state around us, God has ordered things so that there are those who are in authority and those who are under authority. It's not a matter of ranking, is it? As though it were better to be a husband or better to be a wife somehow. It's not better to be a pastor or better to be a layperson. It's not better to be a ruler or better to be a citizen. But, but God has ordered his world so that there are different callings. And that's what makes for harmony. God's order is the order of a head and a body. And in that order, submission becomes essential. If all were equally equal in everything, there would be no need for submission, would there? But in homes and in churches and in states, you know what that is, don't you? It's a recipe for gridlock, for discord, and for conflict. Submission is required, which is really another way of saying trust is required. Trust and faith, those words are synonymous with submission. And what we find today is that submission is not something reserved for just a few of us. Submission is something that is part of our common calling to the Lord Jesus. And what's more, it is something, it is something that you need to get better and better at. Jesus praised that woman's faith as great. So ask yourself this morning, what's so great about her faith? It's probably not that she knew so much, right? If you had put her in a Bible trivia contest with the, with the 12 apostles, who do you suppose would have won? She's a Canaanite, for goodness sake. Her people should have been wiped out long ago. But Israel was slow in carrying out God's commands, and now in a strange twist of his mercy, here is this Canaanite woman. No, it's not because she knows so much. It's not because she has all the books of the Bible and the whole catechism memorized from front to back. No, what is so great about her faith is that she takes Jesus at his word. What is great about this woman's faith is that she submits to Jesus. And when she does, when she does, what I want you to see and note well this morning is that she is not left down below, but she is lifted up. See, that's why everyone is so afraid of submission, isn't it? We think that if we submit to someone else, it's a sign of weakness. And we think that if we are weak, then we will get put down, and we will be left down, we will be run down, we will be left as doormats trampled under others' feet. Will our trust really be rewarded, or will it be used to hurt us? Well, look at this Canaanite woman with Jesus, and you will see, you will see in this wonderful gospel reading what comes of faith that submits to Christ Jesus and his word. She submits first to his silence. Did you notice that? She doesn't run away, but she continues to pray. 
In fact, it is the silence of Christ that leads her to come closer to him. Just think what would have happened if as soon as she cried out, Oh, Lord, Son of David, have mercy, Jesus said, You got it, sister. I'll give it to you. She would never have come closer to him, would she? But when Christ is silent, she has two options. She can either say, Well, I guess he doesn't want anything to do with me. Or she can draw near. And this wonderful woman comes closer. She comes closer to him and she takes the posture of worship, kneeling down before Jesus. It is his silence. It is the silence of the Lord that allows that possibility. And when she comes closer to Jesus, something else wonderful happens. Her prayer, which is a wonderful prayer, right, becomes even more fervent. Now, her prayer in the beginning was a good one. Have mercy on me, O Lord, Son of David. It checks all the boxes, right? She's got the titles just right. Lord, the divine name, Son of David. This Canaanite woman must have known something about the promises of God, of the seed of David. And she knows that it is the Lord's character to be merciful. But after the silence, her cry gets shortened, doesn't it? Lord, son of David, falls away, and she's left just saying, Lord. And no longer does she say, have mercy on me, my daughter. Let me explain the whole situation here, Jesus. Let me make sure you understand the severity of everything. All of that gets distilled down to a simple prayer, help. Lord, help me. The silence of Jesus concentrates her prayer. That silence allowed time and space for what is a good prayer to become even more fervent. And this is how the Lord still deals with his people. He doesn't always give us everything that we ask for straight away. In fact, sometimes he doesn't give us anything that we ask for. But it is in those times of silence when the Lord says nothing to us at all that he is calling us to come closer, to come nearer, and to ask for help. That woman submitted not only to the silence, but also to a surprising harshness when he actually did speak to her. She prays, and she waits, and his answer can hardly be what she had hoped for. And yet, and yet she doesn't argue with the Lord Jesus, does she? She hears, she accepts, and she responds. So learn here what a submissive faith sounds like. Every single one of you, whether you are male or female, whether you are old or young, whether you are in a position of authority or of submission, because before the Lord Jesus, we are all in the same spot. We are all inferiors to the Lord, but see how he deals with the lowly. Submission does not mean that you just throw your hands up in the air and give up. Submission does not mean that you never say anything at all. But what it does mean is that you take Jesus at his word. Yes, Lord. Did you hear what she said? Yes, Lord. Saying yes is a good thing to practice. You know, it's good for little kids to practice. I have some of these in my house because little kids have this instinct in them, right? It's folly, it's sin bound up in their hearts to just say, no, no, I don't want to, no, eat your cookie, no, I don't want to. That happens in our house, doesn't it, kids? It's good for us to practice saying, yes, Lord. And in fact, that's exactly what you do every time you say the word amen. Amen means yes. 
yes. So don't let your amens be amen, amen, amen. Let your amens have some oomph to them. Amen, yes, Lord, just like this woman. With those two wonderful little words, yes, Lord, she makes a beautiful confession. He's just got done comparing her to a dog, and she is willing to say to him, amen, yes, Lord. She owns it, doesn't she? If he talks about taking children's bread and giving it to the dogs, well then, do you see what Jesus has given her? He hasn't just given her an insult. It is never our Lord's intention to insult us and drive us away. But he's given her something to hold on to. He's given her a handle. God's word always comes to you this way with handles on it, with handles for you to grab hold of and to hold on tight. So you can see how this woman thinks. All right, he's calling me a dog. Well, guess what? Dogs crouch under the tables and crumbs fall down there to them. So yes, Lord, I may be a dog, but even the dogs get to eat the crumbs that fall from, their, from the master's tables. Do you see how faith grabs hold of the word of Jesus? Do you see how her faith takes Jesus at his word and gives and holds to them and him in turn? God's word always gives you something to hold on to. I never get tired of pointing out that God let Jacob beat him in that wrestling match. That's the whole mystery to the thing, right? The greater one allows the lesser to pin him. That happens in our house too. God comes to Jacob at night and grabs hold of him there at the ford of the Jabbok so that Jacob can grab hold of him in return. Just think, right? If just the touch of his hand dislocated Jacob's hip permanently, don't you think that if he really wanted to, he could have won that wrestling match? But that's just the thing with our Lord. He wants you to pin him, so to speak. This is our Lord's way of dealing with his children. Yes, at times, his word feels harsh to us. He gives us, though, a word there for us to hold on to and to hold him to. He is like a sparring partner, not an opponent. A sparring partner who comes and says, take hold of me right here, and then twist. And when you do, don't let go. And when you do that, then I'll tap out right beneath you. In a fight, you can win a number of ways, can't you? You can score a knockout, or you can win by putting your opponent into submission. And usually what that means is that your opponent has to give up. But what do you see? This Canaanite woman submits to Jesus, and lo and behold, she wins. Oh, woman, great is your faith, Jesus says. Let it be done for you as you desire. It's as though our Lord is taking her hand and hoisting it up in the air, declaring her to be the winner. Now, it's helpful, isn't it, to note what she doesn't do. She doesn't get upset with Jesus. She doesn't blow up at him and demand that he not talk to her that way. She takes him at his word. Yes, Lord. That is what faith always does. It submits to the word of Jesus. It doesn't say, I don't need to know the word of Jesus. I just have a simple faith. I don't need to be taught. I don't need to be instructed. I don't need to know anything. But the simplicity of faith is the simplicity that holds on to what Christ gives us. And just so, just so she finds out what he was up to all along the way. He was wrestling with her there just like he was with Jacob and just like he does with you. 
Our Lord wrestles with us. It's surprising, isn't it? He wrestles with us, though, not to destroy us or to demean or belittle us, but because by doing that, he is exercising our faith. And faith needs to be exercised. Faith needs to be exercised so that it's not flabby and weak, but so that it becomes strong. Why should Jesus go to all of that trouble? Well, it's for her good. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, Scripture says, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Faithful are all the words and deeds of Jesus, even when they feel like wounds. For even what appears cold, even what appears demeaning, even that silence and that harsh word is given by our Lord to hold her up. For the sheep, this shepherd will lay down his life. For the children, he will gladly spend and be spent. And we even find out today that Jesus loves the little doggies and is more than willing to let not only a crumb fall from the table, but to give you all that you need. So submit to his word. Hold fast to the handle that he gives you and find how he holds you up in return. To him be the glory now and always. Amen.